This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting AetnaStory.com. We thought, jeepers, why not do a podcast? People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Welcome to the BBNR Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Riley Cook. And I'm your host, Dora Bush Cook. Thank you for listening. We are so excited that we get to do this podcast and help people learn how to take better care of themselves by interviewing thought leaders and experts in health and wellness about their personal health journeys. Our guest this week is so inspiring. Siri Lindley is a triathlon world champion and a member of the inaugural class at the Triathlon Hall of Fame. Today, she coaches Olympic athletes and Ironman champions in the beautiful state of Colorado. I'm especially happy to talk to Siri because we have history. I knew Siri as a child when we both played on the beach in Maine, but we lost touch as we grew up. But my wonderful brother Marvin recently saw an article about Siri and reached out to her. So she's back in our lives, and we get to talk to her about her motivation the power of determination, and what changed when she decided to live from love, not from fear. Siri, it is such a gift to reconnect and have you on the show. It is so great to welcome a really inspiring friend to HealthGig today, Siri Lindley. It's serendipity that's brought us together thanks to that connection that was revitalized between my brother Marvin and Siri, and so Trish and I are very grateful for that. So Siri, we are so happy you are with us today. I think I am even happier. It really is. It's such an honor and a privilege to be on your show, and and mostly uh, just such a tremendous gift to all be back in each other's lives again. And I, I thank Marvin for that. He, um, as if I can just say a little note about Marv, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to look up to him. He was just my hero as far as what the ideal human being should be like. And I think mostly because at the time I was such a shy, insecure little girl and he made me feel like I wasn't invisible. He saw Uh me and he, you know, he cared about me. He wanted to know how I was and what I was doing in my life as young as I was. And just his compassion and his love and his ability to make people laugh and make everyone around him feel special and to really consider everyone's feelings. I just thought, I want to be a person like that. And he continues to be one of my greatest role models, one of my greatest inspirations, and and actually your whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, just the love and um, the support and everything about you. So I want to thank you all for for being such a great inspiration to me. And and so truly, it really is 
a great honor to be on your show. I feel very, very lucky that you chose me to be here, and I hope I don't let you down. <laughs> I don't think you will. Um, but so when Marvin was being so nice to you, he was beating me up. But um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, Marv no. is truly wonderful. I have to put that on the record because I know he'll be listening to this podcast because he's one of your biggest fans. But um, – so, anyway, so since we knew you when you were a little girl in Maine, but of course we lost touch. So, um, there's been 38 years <laughs> since then. And so, tell us a little bit about your story, um, just some background for people who may not know you. Okay. So, at the time, I mean, back then, I think I was probably around 10 or 11 years old when we were all in Kennebunkport, Maine. And I was one of those kids, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that can relate to what I was going through. I was just, um, I had a lot of inner turmoil. I was, I was deeply afraid of everything. I was insecure. I was shy. I, I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. And um, I kind of went through the first 20 years of my life that way. And, and on the outside, I think people thought, wow, she's got it made. You know, I went to Brown University and I was a three sport athlete and I was on the varsity teams and on the outside, everything looked like, wow, what a lucky girl. Um, but as all of us know, you can sometimes look all shiny on the outside, but be pretty grimy and, and, um, dark and, and in turmoil on the inside. And that's kind of where I found myself in 1990. Um, and that was when I had a massive shift. I had actually read a, a Tony Robbins book called Unlimited Power. And, and I had reached a point where I truly didn't know if I could manage another day in my own skin. And in his book, in the most simplest of terms, he woke me up to the fact that we all can change the stories of our lives and our experience of life. It's just in, in the meaning you give every experience in your life and what you choose to focus on. You know, I was focusing on everything that scared me and everything that, that worried me. And when I read this book, I thought, what if I focus on all the beauty in my life? What if I focus on all the blessings in my life? And in that moment, I decided to create the life that I wanted to have. And mostly the most important thing was my, my inner experience. Um, and I decided that every day I was going to do something that scared me in the right ways, <laughs> You know, I was living my life scared every day, but for just worrying about things I had no control over. And I decided I'm going to start doing things that take me out of my comfort zone, um, things that stretch me and allow me to grow and allow me to develop a faith and confidence in myself. And it completely changed my life. And um, I don't want to go on and on here, but basically I, I found the sport of triathlon. And I was at this time, 23 years old. I didn't know how to swim. I mean, I knew how to float and I knew how to do the swan. Do you girls know what the swan yeah. is when you swim? No, what <laughs> is the I swan? I know the swan dive. <laughs> I can do a swan dive. <laughs> yeah. But I... okay. yeah. 
So the swan, my mom taught me the swan because she has this gorgeous blonde hair and she loved swimming, but she didn't want to get her hair wet because she didn't want to have to spend the hour or whatever it took to get her hair looking that way. Mm. So it's a way of swimming with your neck like oh, uh, yeah. the sure. sky. Um, so I knew how to swan, but I, I went and I watched this triathlon. And, and if any of you don't know what a triathlon is, you swim, then you hop on your bike, and then you run. And it's like this intense personal effort where... Um, it's extremely challenging. You have to push yourself to the limit and it's, it's amazing. And I, I watched this race and I said, that's what I want to do. And, Mm. um, but my problems were that I didn't know how to swim. I'd never really ridden a bike and I knew how to run up and down a field, but that was it. Um, but for some reason, and I think we all have things in our lives that, that grab our attention And I became fascinated with this sport and nothing else mattered except, uh, you know, taking this on and becoming proficient in this sport. And I did my first race and it was a complete disaster. And when I say this, I'm not exaggerating. Um, I, I tell the story often. I've written a book. I talk about my first race, but it is, it was, it was, I had no idea what I was doing yet. I had never felt so alive in my life. And as people were kind of, you know, thinking, Oh God, that poor girl, because, and, and I don't know if you guys want me to go into the story. I can go into it yes. later, but I, you do want me to tell you the story. Yeah, I yeah think, sure. definitely. Definitely. Are you? <laughs> okay. Well, It's okay. So I fly, I was living in Massachusetts at the time and I decided I'm going to fly all the way, you know, to Colorado. My mom's going to be able to watch my first race and nobody's going to know me. Not that I had many friends anyway. Um, And I came out and I rented this big bike and I thought I'm doing my first race. Now this race is the smallest triathlon you can do. It's just like a half a mile swim, a 12 mile bike and a three mile run. But I'd been reading, of course, you know, I want to learn about this sport, and, and so I need to know everything. And I learned of this carbo-loading theory, <laughs> and I thought, you know. I like that so theory. The funny is, yeah. And just, just to interrupt, too, again, you spent your college years, you said, a three-sport athlete, right? So you're, you're, a, exactly. you're dedicated to sports and fitness and all that. Okay. Yes, definitely. But I had no idea about nutrition and eating and stuff like that. So all I know is that I need to carbo load. And what that meant to me was stuffing as many carbohydrates as I could into my body because I had this big, huge race the next day. And um, we went to the grocery store, my mom and I, and I bought a you know, a box of pasta and garlic bread and cookies for dessert and all this food. And my mom's looking at me like, are you sure this is what you need to do? And I'm like, yep, I read about it. I'm carbo-loaded. And literally that night, I mean, I ate the entire box of pasta, the whole loaf of garlic bread. I put oh a little chicken gosh. on top. I thought I need protein, protein for my muscle. Sure. I put some broccoli in there. I need my greens. And after, you know, I was so full and my mom's like, I don't think you need to have the cookies. And I was like, oh, yes, I need the carbo-load. I'm going to just have a couple cookies. And go to bed that night, completely uncomfortable, all night long. <laughs> we all know what happens when you overload on carbohydrate. 
And I get to the race site the next morning, and I'm so excited to put on this new bathing suit that I picked out. You know, it's really (laughs) this feisty little, you know, Speedo swimsuit (laughs) that I was going to race in. And um, I got in my suit, and it was, like, literally ripping at the sides because (laughs) my stomach was so (laughs) bloated. And anyhow, so I I get to the race, and, and this particular triathlon was done in a pool. And we're lining up to register. And as you register, they ask you, you know, what your swim pace is so that they can put you in the appropriate lane. And <laughs> they're saying, okay, so what is your 100-meter pace? And I, I'm standing there, 100-meter pace. Like, I don't know what this means. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. And the line is building behind me, and people are getting really antsy. You know, they're nervous. And the lady's like, you know, what do you swim 100 meters? And I was like, I just don't know. And the lady's like, you know, is it 130, 120, 115, 110? And I'm like, and everybody's getting so aggravated. I'm like, I, I think it's 110, 110. And, and, and I'm freaking out. And they're like, okay, you're in lane one. And <laughs> I line up. I line up. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. And, and I'm very much a dork. If you all know what a dork is. Like, I, I, at this time, oblivious. I'm just all wrapped up in my excitement for seeing what I can do. And I stand, I'm on the first in line and lane one. And I look around me and there are like these guys with like triangular chests and <laughs> huge muscles and massive shoulders. And in that moment, I thought my friend that had been coaching me, I said, she, she told me about this. She told me that sometimes the people that look the fittest and look the strongest are the slowest. So don't <laughs> let them intimidate you. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I stay in front of the line and the gun goes off and I jump in, not dive in, of course, because I don't know how. And I start swimming and oh my God, all I remember, elbows and arms and feet in my face and being kicked and run into the lane line because I, of course, was a complete obstacle for all these unbelievable (laughs) swimmers. And I'm like getting just beat to a pulp. But the greatest thing was that by the time I finished four lengths and the whole thing was like 32 lengths, um, everyone else had already finished. So I had like the whole lane to myself for the entire swim, which was fabulous. And then now all, all women out there know that if you ever try to put on spandex pants, when you're wet, it's yeah. just not a very good idea. Have you, have you ladies oh, tried that? Yeah, okay. Outside of the shower and getting dressed too quickly. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I get out of the swim. I am just absolutely never felt so alive. My mom is on the side of the pool holding my spandex wide open. Siri, Siri, over here, over here. And she's yelling and screaming. She's opening them wide. I'm trying to get in. I'm falling over. The referees are coming over. There's no outside assistance allowed. (laughs) My mom starts crying because she thinks she's ruining my race. I head off on the bike and I race the rest of the race this way with, I hope this is not inappropriate, but literally, you can bleep it out, (laughs) literally with a camel toe, the whole entire bike and run because I had one spandex leg, the whole, you know, down to my yes. ankle, the other one's like up to my thigh, <laughs> my helmet's like crooked on the top of my head. 
anyhow, I head out on the bike. It's this big mountain bike. I'm having the time of my life. I actually remember this course as being mountainous, like just massive <laughs> climbs where I'm grinding up to get to the top. And literally, I went back like 10 years later, not a single rise on the entire course. <laughs> like it was just flat as a pancake. But anyways, I'm imagining I'm in the Alps, you know, racing this race. I get off on the run and I, all I knew was, you know, sprinting to a ball on the lacrosse field or sprinting to a puck on, on the ice. So I'm, I'm managing the, the three miles where I'm just sprinting as far as I can, which ended up being like a hundred meters and then literally bending over like hyperventilating, like uh. saliva coming out of my <laughs> mouth, but I'm alive and I'm happy and I'm loving it. And there were people that were just like, oh, my God, this poor girl, like they turned when I came because I didn't want to, me to know they were looking. And, you know, how kids can be not so polite. And they're like, oh, my God, look at her gagging with a spoon. You know, they were like, <laughs> so all of this stuff is going on. And but I finished the race. And I remember my adorable mom, who ended Aww. up being the most incredible supporter of mine Aww. throughout my career in triathlon. But she was at the finish line and she was so proud of me. And she's like, I've got everything packed in the car. Let's go have some lunch. And I said, but mom, like the awards are at one o'clock. And she looked at me like, oh my God, my, my, my poor daughter thinks she's going to win an award. I was like last across the line. But, but we waited, we waited till one. And of course I didn't get an award. Anyhow, so we get home that night. And I tell you this story because it's so important for me to share that you literally can be so terrible at something. But if you want it bad enough in your heart and you are willing to do whatever it takes to make this happen and, and you're willing to fail and to fall and to embarrass yourself, like I truly believe that, that the impossible can be possible with anyone if you're willing to go through this. But that night I get into bed and I don't know if you all can relate to this, but when I get in bed at night, it's, it's kind of my most vulnerable time. Um, and I suddenly start seeing what was going on around me, you know, during the race, I was just inside myself feeling alive and loving it. But suddenly I'm getting these visions of the looks on people's faces and the kids laughing at me and, you know, the people pitying me and I break down in, in tears, like sobbing. And, and, you know, when you cry so hard that you hyperventilate and I go into my mom's bedroom and I'm bawling, I can't even get the words out. And mm -hmm. she's like, I know, honey, I know, but you're so good at so many things. And I'm so proud of you that you did this now go and do something that you know, you're going to be great at. And I said, no, mom, all I want, I am going to be the best in the world in this sport mm. and nothing's going to stop me. And she just, she was like proud of me, but like, Oh my God, my poor daughter. <laughs> and she said, I will support you for two years. And if things don't seem to be working out, just promise me that you'll get back into doing something that, that fits you more. Um, and that's wow. where the dream began. And I think by, um, I mean, that where in the world did I even get that statement? Where in the world did I even think that that could be a possibility? Like, mm -hmm. I don't even know. But from my heart, I made that statement and that made me accountable to someone outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And this dream began and my every waking moment 
all I thought about was doing everything in my power to find a way, to find a way to make this happen. And that was the beginning of, of my journey. And wow. um, That's ultimately, incredible. I got to becoming a world champion and number one in the world. And it wasn't, it really was the impossible dream coming true. But I, I tell you that story because I am not exaggerating. That's how bad I was. That's how <laughs> I was. Right. Um, and there's a lot that goes into, especially in health, like learning how to get your body what it needs to be able mm-hmm. to step up every day and, and do what it has to do for you to make that progress and how to stay healthy and strong. So there was a lot um, that I needed to step into and learn about and grow through. So, um, but yeah, that was the beginning. That That is such an incredible story and just brings up so many thoughts um, in me. And one thing that came up to me was the journey from our head to our heart and, and yeah. how we can get out of our head and into our heart. Can you speak about that? Because yours came to you through your body, right? You kind of got that feeling and you just knew, but... Can you talk about that? Can you talk about the journey from the head to the heart? Absolutely. And that's been the most important journey for me because when we, you know, our our minds are brilliant and they strategize and they teach us things and we learn through them and we use them in business and everything, but our minds are there to protect us. You know, it's right. like, I want to keep you safe. I want to keep you safe. So if we stay in our head, um, you're never going to make those decisions that truly lead to your growth, your progress, your discovery, your self-actualization, all of that. You have to get into your heart. And for me, um, when I decided to live my life from a place of love and not fear, which Mm. meant when I decided to live my life from my heart instead of my mind, it changed everything for me. And it allowed me, most importantly, um, to step into this journey, which it really wasn't about the sport. It wasn't about swim, bike, and run. For me, triathlon was the vehicle through which I found myself mm. and the vehicle through which I discovered my passion and and belief in myself. And I, I ultimately gave myself the gift of loving myself. Mm for the first time, which was something that was missing my Mm. whole life. Wow. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Like, how how did you know you didn't love yourself? How did that manifest itself? Because I know you talked about when you read Tony Robbins' book. Yeah, if you can just explore that a little bit. Well, you know, when you're 20 years old and really life was great, I mean, I was at a great university. I had a family that loved me. Um... But when you're in your own body and you can't stand being there and all you want to do is is run away and you just can't, mm-hmm. um, that, that meant that I did not feel safe with myself. I didn't trust myself. I didn't believe in myself. And I most certainly didn't love myself. Mm. And you look at, I mean, we spend, if there's one person we spend the most time with, we are with ourselves every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. And you better be your own biggest supporter. You better be your own biggest fan because otherwise, and I truly believe that you can't possibly, we all 
want love in our lives. We right. all want to be loved. We want to love. We want that feeling of where you've never felt so alive because you feel so much for someone else. Mm-hmm. But you cannot love someone else in the way that we all want to love other people if you don't love yourself first. Right. You, you know, when you don't have that self-love, you, you can find yourself judging people more often because you're really just judging yourself. Right. You can find so yourself, true. you know, self-sabotaging in everything that you do because, again, like, if you're not your own biggest supporter, your own biggest fan, if you're not right. so loving true. yourself, you're never going to believe that you deserve great things in your life. And there, you'll always find the problems instead of the solutions. You'll always look for what's wrong rather yes. than what's right. right. And through this journey, I just developed a trust in myself, number one, um, a belief in myself. Mm-hmm. I think the most powerful understanding is that, um, you know, we all need to fail over and over again in our lives. We have to fail because it is only when we fall short that we grow, that we stretch, that we make that progress, Mm -hmm. that we take our lives to the next level. And so my philosophy became, I'm either winning or I'm learning. Oh, that's that's awesome. You're winning. I'm sorry. What is your philosophy? You're either. I'm either winning or I'm learning. That's great. And both are victories because when we learn, that's when we, when we grow and that's when we make progress and that's when we can achieve amazing things. And I plopped myself on this journey where in the beginning failure was going to be a massive part of my getting anywhere because I was so clueless at, at everything I was taking on. And I wouldn't have made it through if I looked upon it as failing. I would have said, I'm never going to be good enough, and that's it. I'll give up. I'll do something that's easy. But mm. when I looked upon it as I'm learning and I'm growing, so and with each, with each um, lesson, mm-hmm. I take two steps forward. And it became where we embrace those challenges. We mm-hmm. embrace those disappointments. And we look upon it instead as a gift because in every challenge – in every deep, hard lesson, there is a beautiful, beautiful gift. Mm. And if we open our eyes to that, um, there's something that, uh, another statement that Tony Robbins said that just changed my life. You know, life is happening for you. Life is not happening to you. Mm -hmm. And if you think about maybe some of the hardest, most horrible times in your life, I bet all of you, if you hold one of those times in your heart right now, in your heart, not in your head, if you think about one of your most difficult, horrible struggles and hold that in your heart and think about something beautiful that came out of that time, Mm -hmm. something beautiful, whether it was a discovery about yourself or about the people around you or you found someone that you never dreamed you would find, something beautiful comes out of it. And then you do realize that life really is happening for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think just these shifts in how we, what we focus on and how we think about these things can truly change your entire experience of life. 
Mm-hmm. And most importantly, you know, what you're able to accomplish if you're willing to look at things in this way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you mentioned um, self-sabotage, which is a big issue um, for a lot of people, including me. And so how do you overcome that? It's that belief in yourself and that belief in the fact that we, I think that self-love part is so important because Mm. when we don't love ourselves, it's almost like we feel we deserve to be punished or we deserve to fail in the sense that a lot of us think about failing. Um, And we all kind of get comfortable. If we've lived a certain story our whole lives that's been, you know, challenging and every once in a while something good happens, but it's life is hard and life is challenging. Then what happens when something great starts happening, we're almost, we're so comfortable in that storyline of life is so hard and life is so challenging that we don't know know what to do when life gets great. Mm -hmm. And, but if you love yourself and you realize I deserve more, I deserve to be happy. I shouldn't be afraid of feeling love. I shouldn't be afraid of feeling joy. I shouldn't be afraid of anything great happening in my life because ultimately we have all been put on this earth to be able to live in, in the beauty of who we are and to celebrate the gift of life. Mm -hmm. Um, so really it's a belief that you, you deserve great things because when we self-sabotage, it's like we're either expecting something bad to happen. So we, end it before it gets there mm. right or right. or we assume that it's for someone else but not for us and that is not showing a love and a trust and a belief in yourself so we all we owe it you know i always think you know i am so thankful that i found my way in my life from from the space i was in to the space i'm in now and I started really, you know, gratitude became the word of, mm-hmm. of my every moment in life, just appreciating not only, you know, the beauty all around me, but appreciating me and my strength and my courage and my love. And once I really focused on all the things that I was so grateful for, mm-hmm. kind of losing track here because I'm in, in, in my heart, but um, when we focus on all the beauty in our lives Mm. and just appreciate it and show that gratitude. We are, to me, I was so thankful to whatever you believe in, but I believe in God. And I was so thankful to God for the incredible blessings in my life and the, and the gifts that he had blessed me with. And I thought my, the greatest way that I can show my thanks is to use these abilities, use these gifts to the fullest and never leave anything on the bench, but bring all of me into my life. And if I do that, that is my way of saying thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you have given me. I recognize it. I appreciate it. And I'm so grateful. And I will use it to, to you know, hopefully, what's the quote? Um, life is a gift. It offers us the opportunity the privilege and the responsibility to give back by becoming more. Mm, and I, I feel that's my way of showing thanks. And I think that when you allow yourself to do that, um, 
you're far less likely to self-sabotage mm-hmm. um, because it's a matter of appreciating truly all the beauty inside of you and bringing that to the forefront and living your life from that place. Mm-hmm. When fear begins to creep into you, right, what do you do? Is there is there a... Do you have a way of handling it or, or you begin to, is there a way that you react to it or you do you not experience fear anymore? Oh, we, you have <laughs> to dance with your fear. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, fear is going to always be there and, and you know what? It should be there. We should welcome it because it is, it is our fear when we're fearful, but we do it anyway. I mean, that's where we grow and that's where we can make a difference in our lives. And also fear, so, fear has a place, right? So if you are in a car, right, and you're going down the wrong street or something in the wrong way, you need to have fear to make that decision, right? So fear has yeah, a place in yeah. our life, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's so useful. So dance with it and thank, thank that fear. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in a place where I get like, stifled by my fear, which happened all the time when I was younger. And of course it still happens because I'm, I'm getting out of my comfort zone a lot in my life. If you feel stifled, that's a moment where you literally have to take a big deep breath and come into your heart. And Mm -hmm. if you think of the word gratitude and, and, and what gratitude is, gratitude is the anecdote to fear. You cannot feel grateful and fearful in the same moment. You cannot feel grateful and angry in the same moment. So if you want to change the way you feel, gratitude is literally that that space or that feeling or that word that will literally relieve you of all, you know, Mm-hmm. the really stifling feelings that don't serve us well right. in mm-hmm. certain moments. So so it's it's like the word comfort, the word safety and accommodating kind of have to be redefined because those could be the things that's kind of holding us back, right? I mean, if we're, exactly. you know, yeah. I think that we all want to be comfortable, right? Like, I'll, I just want to be safe. I, I hear myself saying that. But thinking and redefining what you've just described changes my whole outlook on comfort and changes my whole outlook on safety. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for that. It holds me back. And I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does. And, and there's nothing wrong with, like, like, uh, like I think all of us, have that that deep pull to wanting to feel safe and wanting certainty in our lives and but also aren't we by stretching ourselves and by coming out of our comfort zone and by bringing deciding to to want more for ourselves so that we can give more to others yeah like aren't we just creating a greater experience of life not only for ourselves but for all of those around us so mm-hmm. yes i mean Nothing amazing is going to be created in your comfort zone. Things can be good, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are a lot of people that can can be perfectly happy and successful being in their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to appreciate and embrace this gift of life, Mm. I truly feel that we have to continue to come out of our comfort zone Mm -hmm. so that we can expand. And when we expand, we're able to give more. And all of us want to be able to give all of ourselves to the people that we love. And that's going to inspire them to be more. And um, in this world today, I think that, um, you know, it kind of 
is asking for all of us to be more and to give more and to create more good things mm-hmm. so that we can be that change um, in, in an environment that's not, that's not feeling safe to any of us right, right now. Um, along those lines, Siri, um, we often live our lives based on stories in our head. And, you know, um, and so I'm wondering, is it ever too late to rewrite our stories, to change our thoughts and our, our habits and our behaviors that hold us back? It is never too late. And literally, it, it happens, it can happen in a second. And I, I remember I used to, it's been a while, but I used to go speak at women's prisons and why the reason why I was so desperate to do that is I wanted these women to know that, okay, yes, this has been your story, your whole life up until now, but you can change that story in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And the way you change that is, is three things. You, you change what you're focusing on, you know, instead of this happened to me and therefore my life is ruined instead of focusing on, you know, what happened to you and how that has destroyed you. Let's focus on that. Yes, this happened to me, but I wouldn't be the strong person that I am today if that hadn't happened to me. So I'm going to focus on why it was good that that happened to me, why it was a gift. So it's changing what you're, or, or actually to make more sense of this, Focusing, instead of focusing on what's missing, what you're lacking, what's wrong, you choose to focus on what's right, Mm -hmm. what you have, what's great Mm -hmm. in the world. Change what you focus on. And then also the next step is changing the meaning of what's happening in your life. Like say, for instance, someone loses a job that they've had for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Instead of having the meaning of that be, oh my God, my life is over. I've lost everything. If you change the meaning to, okay, I've lost my job, but wow, this is, this can be a new beginning. I can create a whole new story. I can now take on something new and different. That's going to inspire me and motivate me and make me feel alive. So it's changing what you focus on, changing the meaning Mm -hmm. of whatever is happening in your life. And then the third which is actually probably the most important thing is, is what you do about that. It's, it's changing what you're doing with your body, changing what decisions you're making and how you're acting upon them. Um, but it's a choice, but literally you can change your story in a moment. And that's exactly what I did. What back in 1990, mm-hmm. I said, I am so tired of living this story where I feel like a victim and I feel afraid and I feel stifled and I feel dead inside. Like I am changing this right now. Boom. I am now going to create the life I, I dream of the life I deserve. But that meant I had to change my focus. I had to change my meaning and I had to change what I did about it. Mm. And, um, I literally turned my entire life around and, and it's possible for everyone. It's just a choice. It reminds me of the quote that you love by Michelangelo. I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. Yes, that makes me so happy. It is, I think, the most powerful quote out there because what it's saying to me is that in all of us, in all of us, uh, 
Siri, can you hear us? That's so mo. She's so motivational. Hello. Good. Hey Siri, sorry, we may have dropped out on that last bit. Apologies again with all the technicals. You guys, I'm so sorry. I think that was me because a call came through and I pressed a button and I think uh, I hung up. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's um, okay. Hopefully, we can cut out that little bit. Sure, sure, sure. And, um, uh, yeah, if you just want to take it from that Michelangelo quote, that'd be perfect. Okay, excellent. Yes, that Michelangelo quote is my all-time favorite because basically, to me, what it's saying is that all of us, inside, underneath all the things that have happened to us, all our fears, underneath all of that, there is this beauty, there's this angel, and it's inside every single one of us. And when we choose to chip away at that, when we choose to, to break away from our fears, break away from our doubts, we choose to chip away to, to get in better contact with the beauty that's inside of us, um, suddenly the angel is revealed. Mm-hmm. And to so me, beautiful. to me personally, that angel is that love for myself. When I finally discovered that I could love myself and appreciate myself and trust in myself, it allowed me to create everything I dreamed of creating. I also use that quote, like when I take on an athlete, because um, I, I still coach athletes and, and I can see, even though somebody you know, like me as an athlete, an athlete can come to me with no talent, no ability, but I see their potential. I feel their potential. And I realize that with work and with patience and with persistence, we can chip away and break away that outer shell and reveal, you know, the Mm. talent, the ability, the greatness. Um, So all of us have that inside of us. And I think if we look upon our lives as an opportunity to start chipping away at the things that are holding us back mm-hmm. and start chipping away to reveal and to connect with the, our truth. Right. That's what frees us. And, and that's what allows us to live the lives we truly deserve. And when we begin to believe that we can change the stories or our thoughts of things, that could even change the way we um, have relationships, right? So any struggles that we might have had with our family um, could be redefined, right? Or with loved ones or people that are critical in our lives. Absolutely. And I actually, if, if you don't mind me mentioning, I had an experience. Um, I came out as, as a gay woman when I was uh, 23 years old. Wow. And my father came from a family that was, you know, just used to the status quo. And, and, and it's not their fault. They just were very close-minded. And my dad, um, I remember I, he called me and said, I've, I've heard that you're gay. Please promise me this isn't true. Promise me this. This can't. My daughter would not would never be gay. Just mm. promise me it's not true. And he was bawling. And I said, Dad, I can't. It's who I am. I didn't ask for oh. this. It's not, of course, I don't want this to be my truth, but this is who I am. And 
he didn't talk to me for two years. Mm. And it was the most painful. It made me feel like everything that I'd accomplished up until that point meant nothing now that mm. I, that people knew I was gay. Nothing, none of that mattered because I'm gay and now I'm a failure. But here's the thing. Um, if my dad had embraced me and celebrated right, me and had right. no problem at all with this, I don't think I would be the person that I am today. Right. Because in, in his rejection of me, I was so desperate to prove that I, I deserve to be loved. I'm loving and I'm kind and I can be successful and I can take on something impossible and I can put my heart and soul into it and make my dreams come true. I can be a role model. I can be an inspiration. I can be a wonderful mm-hmm. person on this earth even though I'm gay. Right. And that desire came from that deep rejection I felt. And I now, what ultimately brought us back together was his growth and and understanding and compassion, Mm -hmm. but also my being able to recognize him as I'm grateful and thankful to him because he was the most amazing father in the world until I was 23 years old. Mm. Yeah. And then what happened is what truly was a catalyst for me to become more. And I thank him for that because because of the father he became at age 23, he was exactly the father I needed him to be for me to become the woman that I am today. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, with problems with our loved ones or our family or our friends, Think about it as we all are playing roles in each other's lives. And yes, it can be painful. But again, we we spoke about this earlier. It's through those painful times that we have an opportunity to truly grow and expand as human beings. And it's the meaning that we give those times, the meaning that we give those people, what Mm -hmm. we choose to focus on that changes our entire experience. So true. And so... I've reconnected with my father. So, you know, wonderful story. As soon as I was able to forgive him, which truly more than anything freed me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that was the, the most powerful part about it. But also it gave him the time to understand that we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. We have all hurt other people in our lives and it feels horrible but we also come to a better understanding of what it is to be human and Mm. what it is to be able to acknowledge that, yes, I've hurt this person before and I am so sorry, but I know that it allowed them to grow. It allowed me to grow. And as long as we can come back and celebrate the, the partnership, the friendship, whatever it is, the connection we have now, um, that's what matters most is our appreciation for the people in our lives, whether they have hurt us or brought us the ultimate joy. Mm-hmm. It's appreciating their role and seeing them as worthy opponents mm-hmm. rather than people that ruined our lives. Mm-hmm. You know? right. So I God, think that's that that's good. the key. Ah. Thank you for that. That is just an incredible explanation of how we can take control of our own lives. Wow. It's so true. And thank you. What a what a life that you have lived so well and you are so young. Wow. What is in store for you next? The next 48, 50 years. It's incredible, Siri. 
Well, thank you for calling me young. Now you <laughs> absolutely made my day because now my focus will be on how young I am you are. rather than how old I'm getting. <laughs> you are. Well, Siri, thank you so thank much. Thank you, guys. You absolutely oh. inspire us to go so from our worst to our best. And um, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. And I hope I see you soon. And I, it, and Trisha does too. Thank you for joining us this week. We loved having you with us and look forward to seeing you next week. Um, in the meantime, look us up at bbnrconsulting.us. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a message. Until then, I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>